0: This Sunday we have the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus and we have to be very careful with this parable. There is always a strong temptation to define this parable by the first section. There's a temptation to focus on the difference in earthly wealth between the rich man and Lazarus and to see that as the main comparison and the main point of the parable, but that is not the case. And when we do that, we really miss the whole point that Jesus is trying to make. The first half of the parable is really only a, set, a setting of the scene for what comes later. And Jesus' real goal is not a comparison between the rich man and Lazarus, but rather a comparison between the rich man's trust in the wealth of this world and the failure of the things of this world versus the power and the endurance of God's word. So the real comparison of the parable is really the first half where the rich man is living it up and, and really searching for and trusting in the things of this life and the second half where it's revealed that the only thing that can really give lasting happiness is God's word and that he should have been more focused on that in his life rather than in the pursuit of earthly wealth. So the theme of this parable then is summed up in passages like Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Or in Jesus' words to the paralytic in Matthew 9, 2, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Rather than seeking happiness in the ability to walk and having a good life in this earth, right? Seek happiness, seek joy in that gospel which proclaims your sins are forgiven. Or John eight thirty one to 32 if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There are many other passages, of course, which remind us of this, the same truth, the power of God's word versus the emptiness of the pleasures and wealth of this life. The Jews of Jesus' day believed that wealth was a demonstration of God's blessing and favor, and they had Abraham as an example of this. After all, God did bless Abraham with a lot of earthly riches and a lot of earthly wealth, and so they consequently sometimes made the mistake of assuming that if you're rich, you're blessed by God and God is happy with you, and you must be doing the right thing in your life. But if you're poor, then God is angry with you, and that must be an example of your sin. We see this in scripture in a number of different places. In John 9, where you have the account of the man born blind, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, right? This this blindness, this poverty, this these problems that the, this man is enduring must be a result of God's displeasure, of God's sin. Or, again, in Matthew 19, and also Mark 10 and Luke 18, Jesus tells the disciples it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are shocked by this. They're like, what? Who then can be saved? You're telling us that the rich men can't enter the kingdom? And, and they're the ones who are blessed by God because they're rich. So oh, who, who who can be saved? And so you see that addressed in this parable, the emptiness of riches but however that having been said this parable also works seems to be working on another level as well and one of the problems that a lot of people have with this parable is that jesus seems to be addressing the pharisees he's talking to the pharisees when he tells this parable but the pharisees weren't rich and they certainly didn't spend their money on fancy clothing and rich food. And so a lot of the commentators are kind of confused by this. Like, how is Jesus addressing the, the 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 Pharisees? How is he talking to them when this really wasn't a thing that applied to them? Well, Jesus seems to be, in a sense, tricking the Pharisees with the first part. He, he seems to be drawing them in, in, in a sense. Despite the fact that the Pharisees saw wealth as the blessing of God, they also understood from the law of Moses, how are you supposed to be using that wealth? You, you should be giving to the poor and, and you should be helping out in the synagogue. You shouldn't be just spending it all on yourself. And so even though the, the man is rich, the way that he spends his riches is something that the Pharisees would have seen it and maybe kind of been nodding their heads along with Jesus. They're kind of thinking like, oh yeah, we, we get this. We get this parable, Jesus. This rich man, he's not doing the things he's, he's supposed to. He should be helping out that Lazarus. And, and so in a sense, the, the first part of the parable kind of draws the Pharisees in with the idea that Oh, yeah, we agree with you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, this sounds this this sounds like a good parable. But then that second part, Jesus kind of reverses it and he springs the trap on the Pharisees saying, You are the rich man. Not because the Pharisees would have been spending their money in the way that this rich man does, but because the Pharisees were ignoring God's word and looking to the things of this life and the way that you live in this life. This all means that uh, the first part of the parable might be a a little bit difficult for the children to really grasp and understand, but that's okay because remember, the first part of the parable isn't the goal and and that's not the main theme we want to focus on. So by all means, you know, kind of skim over the first part and the difference between the rich man and Lazarus. I mean, don't ignore it. Uh, you could talk about it, but don't make that be the focus. Rather, instead, focus the children ahead to what's going to come up, the the power of God's word and this fact that Jesus is gonna come up come back to at the end, that God's word is more powerful than somebody rising from the dead. That if people aren't going to listen to God's word, if they're going to reject God's word, they're not going to believe it even if someone comes back to the dead. And we're going to talk about that more. But of course, this is pointing us forward to Jesus' resurrection because Jesus did come back from the dead. And people still did not believe if if they weren't going to listen to God's word. Let's get into the parable now. Uh, Luke 16, just verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. From the very beginning, the rich man is nameless, but of course, the poor man, we're going to hear in the next verse, has a name. And so that reminds us right away of God's love for us, the believers. Our names are written in the book of life. Uh, our shepherd knows us by name. John 10, 3, to him the doorkeep opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by their name and leads them out. Or 1 Corinthians 8, 3, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him And, and Matthew 25, 12. But he answered and said assuredly i say to you i do not know you so from the very beginning the parable makes it clear lazarus the poor man is known by god he calls him by name he is one of god's children the rich man is just a rich man he is nameless to god because he has rejected god's word and what a wonderful comfort to us to know that we are called by god's name even if we are forgotten by the world and live in poverty and destitute and everyone ignores us like this this Lazarus. Nevertheless, God knows our name. And that's going to be emphasized in the parable as well when they die. Notice that um, the every day, every the verse says uh, he, he fared sumptuously every day, but that every day actually goes back and applies to both verbs. So it's not just he fared sumptuously every day, but he clothed himself in purple and fine linen every day and fared sumptuously every day this is a man who clothed himself in the richest most expensive clothing every day and and then you know spent his time feasting in in comparison of course we have john the baptist who the opposite he regularly wore the cheapest the coarsest of clothing jesus reminds us in luke 7 25 to 27 what did you go out to see a man clothed in soft garments Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled live in luxury in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet, I say to you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. So you you immediately have this comparison between this rich man who, he not only had a lot of money, but he used it just to party every day. This man is extremely wealthy. The clothes that are described here would have literally cost more than their weight in gold. Uh, this cloth would have been more valuable, you know, per ounce than, than gold was. But, again, the emphasis in the parable is not so much on the fact that the man has wealth, but how he's using that wealth. Uh, he's using it to just enjoy the things of this life, uh, and dress the best every day, Eat the best every day. This is not a man who's going out to check on his fields. This is not a man who's you know out there working with his workers and, and helping people out. Uh, this is just a man who's just enjoying as much as possible the things of this life. Uh, one commentator put it very well when it says he made selfish use of his wealth. You, you can think also of the parable of the prodigal son. There, once again, you... It's not the riches of that youngest son that condemn him. It's not the fact that his father is wealthy and he inherits money from his father that's the problem. The problem with that younger son is the way that he spends that money. That he just goes out and lives this sinful lifestyle of spending his money on the enjoyments of the things of this world. Now we're not told specifically that this man in that same sense, he he didn't spend his money on on prostitutes and gambling and and drinking in, in the tavern. So in that sense, it wasn't kind of that overt sinful lifestyle that we get in the parable of the prodigal son. But nevertheless, it is all about the enjoyment of the things of this life. And again, that's where the point of comparison is going to come in the parable. Enjoying the things of this life and making that the, the core around which your life is built versus focusing on God's word which is going to come later of course and, and making God's word and God's kingdom the most important thing in your life. Verse 20, But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and licked his sores lazarus is quite a beautiful name that we don't really use very much anymore not only does it call to mind the lazarus whom jesus called forth from the grave and rose from the dead and there's certainly some connections there with this parable but the name itself means whom god helps so it indicates that this was a person who looked to god for for help and for for strength This is the only time a personal name is ever used in a parable, and this is one of the reasons why some people don't think this actually is a parable. They think it's a real story about two real people that that Jesus knew about. The first part of the parable could be that, of course, but the second part makes it pretty clear that it is a parable it's not likely that people in hell are actually going to be able to talk to abraham and so we have to assume that this this is a parable and jesus is using us a, a made-up story to to make a point about the kingdom of god but the use of the name lazarus just really underscores and emphasizes that this is a man whom God knows as opposed to the rich man whom God does not know. And really brings us that reassurance that uh, those who put their trust in God, God knows them by name and, and is their good shepherd. The verse 21 talks about the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. It was the custom in the Orient to eat with your fingers. And then when you were done eating, you would actually wipe your fingers on a piece of bread which was then thrown to the dogs. And so this is probably what is meant by the crumbs. The rich man would not even give poor Lazarus these wasted pieces of bread that were used just to wash his fingers. The word desiring here, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table actually in the Greek implies an unfulfilled desire. It's, uh, so it's... It, Doesn't just mean that he was desiring it, but he was desiring it and he wasn't getting it. Uh, This is what Lazarus longed for, but the rich man would not even do this much for him. And then, of course, we have the dogs, which in ancient Israel were a contemptible, filthy, and unclean creature. Uh, The dogs roamed the streets, eating the garbage of the streets and that these dogs would lick his wounds, show how pitiful and miserable Lazarus was. And on the other hand, it also shows how sinful the rich man was, that the dogs, these pitiful, unclean creatures, are doing more for Lazarus than the rich man would. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So here, once again, This distinction is made between the beggar, Lazarus, who dies unknown and uncared for by the world. No one knows him, no one cares about him, and he's just thrown in a ditch. On the other hand, God knows him by name and cares about him very much and sends his angels to carry him to heaven. And then the opposite, the rich man who is known by the world and is thought of as a good man and everyone likes him or whatever because, well, you know, he threw great parties or whatever. He's buried in a nice tomb and people come to his funeral. And yet he's unknown by God and uncared for by God. And we have to be a little careful at this point again because it's very easy to start to look for a reason why Lazarus, goes to heaven and the rich man goes to hell and so you start looking back in the parable and what what's the reason and so this is where a lot of people make the mistake of well the rich goes to hell the the poor the poor goes to heaven but as we know from the rest of scripture that is not the case and so we have to stop and recognize the fact that the parable does not tell us at least up to this point it does not tell us what the difference was because it's it's not rich versus poor we we know that from scripture we know from the rest of scripture that people are saved by faith and that even meant people who have lots of money but who trust in the lord are saved so we have to stop and say okay the parable does not tell us yet and in in a sense it's going to get into that later but so far it does not tell us why lazarus went to heaven and the rich man went to hell it's simply tells us that this happens. We know from scripture that it is a matter of faith. And we continue with verse 23 through 26. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abram far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abram, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abram said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And once again, this comment that Abraham makes, well, he received bad things in life, so now he receives good things. He, uh, Ab- or the rich man received good things in life, so now he receives bad things, is often misunderstood as well as cause and effect. Because you received Because the rich man received good things, therefore he now receives bad things. And again, that is not the case. We know that clearly from the rest of Scripture. And so we have to understand that this is a comment Abram is making to the rich man, but it's not cause and effect. It's not because he was poor. Therefore, now he's in heaven. But rather, Abraham is simply using this as to point out to the rich man uh, that he doesn't really have anything to complain about. Jesus does a similar thing when he talks about the last day. And he says, and you know, he, he th- those who are on his right and those who are on his left. And he says to those who, who are on his right, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. drink of water and once again there as well these good deeds that the that the Christians the, the believers on his right did are not the reason they're saved the reason they are saved is because through faith because Jesus died for their sins and through faith they receive that forgiveness of sins however these these works are things that point that Jesus points to when he is declaring the judgment in front of the whole world to prove the justice of what what he's doing. He's saying, well, look, you know, that they show their faith in these ways. So once again, Abraham is pointing to this. You received good things in this life to justify uh, what what is going on, but it's not the reason why Lazarus is in hell or the rich or sorry, (laughs) Lazarus is in heaven and the rich man are in hell. Verse Twenty seven. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Lots of commentators at this point try to find the reason why the rich man says this. It, it seems inconsistent to them that he's in hell, so he's obviously a selfish, sinful pe- person, and yet here he's thinking about his brothers, and he wants to try and save them. Well, they the kind of come to this idea of well would somebody in hell really do something altruistically would they really do something for somebody else and so they they try to emphasize that this is really a selfish thing on the rich man's point as well and and certainly it could be it could be the rich man trying to prove that he really shouldn't be in hell. Look, I am thinking of my brothers. You know, I don't deserve to be in this place. But we're probably reading too much into it here as well. This is, Jesus, this is a parable, right? Jesus is going to get to a point in the next verse, and and verses 27 and 28 are really just kind of setting the scene for the response from Abraham. The response from Abraham is the important thing. And so Jesus is putting this into the parable, The, the rich man in hell says this, so that he can have Abraham respond to him as he's going to. Uh, Verses 29 to 31, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, even though one raised from the dead. What Abraham says here to Lazarus is quite shocking. Uh, People are not gonna listen if someone rises from the dead of course people will listen to somebody who rises from the dead rather than the bible the bible is just a book but somebody who comes back from the dead well that that's proof this is the way our sinful selfishness thinks oh if, if you if you give proof god then then we'll believe and a lot of people even make that a cornerstone of their unbelief if god really wanted me to believe he would send somebody back from the dead he would speak from heaven etc 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 but the fact is that god has done all these things And it hasn't convinced people. That's really, now we're really getting at the heart of the point of this parable. That because of our sinfulness, our hearts are hardened against God's word and we will not listen. We will not listen even if somebody comes back from the dead. Uh, The man's request seems reasonable to our human minds, but not when we consider that faith is not a rational decision made by the mind of man, but a working in the heart of the Holy Spirit through the means of grace that is the gospel and word and sacrament. That was a quote from God's hands in our lives, the the Sunday school lesson, which really gets to the, the heart of what's going on here. This second part of the parable, this may seem like an addendum to the parable. It may seem like well Jesus tells one parable and then he kind of adds this this last part separately. but as we talk about, this is actually the heart of the parable that the riches and the the running after the earthly things of this life while it was fun while he was alive ultimately led to his destruction. but in that we ought to instead make the word of God the cornerstone, of our life seek seek first the kingdom of god and all these other things will be added to you jesus talks about moses and the prophets abraham says to the man they have moses and the prophets moses and the prophets that's that's the law that was given to them on Mount Sinai and the prophets who foretold about the coming of Christ. So in this phrase, Moses and the prophets, it's a it's a phrase that's often used for all of Scripture uh, in the New Testament, Moses and the prophets, all of the Old Testament. But it's also one that points us to the law and the gospel. God has given us a double testimony. He's given us that law within our hearts. He's given that commandment which show our sin and condemn us and make it clear that we are sinful people. And he's also given us that gospel which proclaims the free gospel grace of God. And somebody won't listen to one. And they won't admit that they're a sinner. Maybe they will be convinced by God's grace and by God's love. We see that with the, the Roman the Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross, he says, surely this was the Son of God. He wouldn't listen to the law, but when he sees the love of God poured out in Christ and and the way that Christ dies, he's convinced, surely this was the Son of God. And the other way is true as well. If people won't listen to God's grace, then maybe they will be humbled by God's law and by recognizing their sin. But Jesus says, if they won't listen to either, and, and so that it's, it's not a, a togetherness here, Moses and the prophets, but if they won't listen to Moses, if they won't listen to the law, and they won't listen to the gospel, if they won't listen to either, they're not going to be convinced even if someone comes back from the dead. And here, of course, is where we go right to the heart of our faith, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody did come back from the dead to proclaim the truth of God's word, and so many people still don't listen. That they will not listen to God's word, they, didn't, they will not listen even when you show them. Them that jesus christ was really risen from the dead the point of the parable is not whether we should be poor or rich but the point of the parable rather is what is the cornerstone of our life should we make our life all about the things of this world and the pursuit of the pleasures of this world or should we make our lives all about god's word and it's very clear from the parable is god's word that has the power to change your heart to give us everlasting life and the forgiveness of sins and the power that God works through that word to convince even people who won't even listen when somebody comes back from the dead. But God's word can change our hearts and, and that word of God is what needs to be the heart and soul of our life uh, upon, uh, on which we build our lives and, uh, and upon which we are, are constantly looking to uh, and putting our trust in God. Lord's blessings with your Sunday school lesson. As always, let me know if you have any questions.